Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job, and you can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Dot com. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including Keith Flaw. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, doing great work in Tallahassee, helping to align great education with policy, and uh, just really appreciate their contribution to what's happening in Florida. Also, Byron Donalds, our state representative and candidate for U.S. Congress, just got the uh, endorsement of the Club for Growth. That's a big deal. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. He'll be with us as well as the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Always appreciate his insights into what's happening here locally. It is July the 9th, and on this day in 1850, after only 16 months in office, President Zachary Taylor died after a brief illness. The exact cause of the death is still disputed among some historians. On a scorching 4th of July day in Washington, D.C., Taylor attended festivities at the newly dedicated grounds upon which the Washington Monument would be erected. According to several sources, Taylor gulped down a large quantity of cherries and iced milk and then returned to the White House when he quenched his thirst with several glasses of water. Outbreaks of cholera, a deadly disease caused by bacteria, occurred frequently during the summer months in hot, humid Washington during the 1800s. When sewage systems were primitive at best, the bacteria was mostly like present in, in the water or ice milk uh, Taylor drank, although other sources have claimed that Taylor died of a gastroenteritis. And gastrointent, <laughs> I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but you know, you get the idea. Anyhow, caused by the highly acidic cherries combined with fresh milk. Other suspected food poisoning or typhoid fever. It appears no one suggested foul play, even though Taylor, a Mexican war hero, opposed secession and vowed to personally lead a military attack against any state that threatened to secede from the Union. Taylor died on the evening of July 9th after four days of suffering from symptoms including severe cramping, diarrhea, nausea, and dehydration. His personal physicians concluded that he had died of cholera morbus, a bacterial infection of the small intestine. His vice president, Millard Fillmore, was sworn in as the new president in the next day. So, uh, again, the session working, uh, our Constitution at work. Millard Fillmore, uh, the next president of the United States after that. Florida has emerged as a global epicenter of the latest coronavirus surge, raising questions about the safety of major events that relocated to the state. That, according to The Hill... Well, I'm not sure I agree with that, but 232 new cases of COVID-19 uh, appeared on Wednesday. The county's death toll remained at 85, and uh, COVID cases in Cuyahoga have increased to 5,433 out of 38,885 tests. That's more than a tenth of the population. Total of 385 people in Cuyahoga County have been hospitalized. So these are the two numbers you want to watch. Deaths remain the same at 85, and hospitalizations at 385. Of course, many of those have been released. I appreciate them including this statistic as well. Cuyahoga County has 17.7% of its total hospital beds available and 37% of its uh, adult ICU beds available. So that's a big deal, too. Well... A majority of Collier County commissioners last week showed little interest in requiring masks to slow down the spread of the novel coronavirus, even as cases continue to rise rapidly. We thank them for their wisdom, but now the polarizing topic is expected to come back before commissioners next week, next Tuesday. The county's Tourism Development Council, during its uh, emergency meeting Wednesday, voted 4-3 to three to recommend the commission take up the issue again, but stop short of recommending that commissioners enact a mask requirement. The Collier County Medical Society has also urged commissioners to make masks mandatory, and experts say that they can curb the spread of the virus. 
But others on the advisory board say they wouldn't like to see the mask requirement. Some argued encouraging mask wearing was enough and that is a requirement should be enforceable. Others said it should be left up to the businesses to be to mandate it. Uh, and then here's the wisest comment of all. We should not be looking to put into law or ordinances in place that we know we cannot enforce. That according to a Cuyahoga County, uh, to a member of this board and uh, County, uh, rather Naples uh, City Council member. So uh, this, I think, would be a shame if we did this. I can't understand why tourism would want to have people wearing masks. I think the question is, uh, if people are concerned about the coronavirus, they're not going to want to travel to Naples or any place else in Florida until this pandemic uh, subsides, I would suggest. So, And I think just uh, face masks, required face masks in the public and outside would uh, deter visitation to the Paradise Coast, my opinion. Well, the coronavirus mortality rate in the United States has dropped so low, and I said this yesterday, that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention may soon stop calling the virus an epidemic. The agency explained last Friday that the COVID-19 mortality rate has dropped so low that the percentage is currently at epidemic threshold. Based on death certificate data, the percentage of deaths attributed to pneumonia, influenza, or COVID-19 decreased from 9% during week 25 to 5.9% during week 26, representing the 10th week of declining percentage of deaths due to PIC. This is, uh, I think, very good news. Quite frankly, uh, uh, while the cases are increasing, it appears to be less deadly. Now, a lot of folks are saying, well, you got to watch for the next couple of weeks because of the lag of two, three, four weeks before deaths set, set in after you see this rise of the cases. But... Uh, Dr. Scott Atlas explained that uh, current testing data is deceptive. He said the real story is not how many cases, but who gets the cases. And as in the median age for COVID-19 uh, craters, and in other words, drops, that means the American population is growing to, in so-called herd immunity, according to Dr. Atlas. And I would agree with that. In any event, uh, of course, the left continues to fan the flames of fear about coronavirus. We should be careful. Everybody should distance and uh, be careful, but uh, be making your own decisions with regard to your personal health. Well, the United States Supreme Court ruled to uphold conscience exemptions for the former President Barack Obama's birth control mandate in a victory for the Little Sisters of the Poor. Boy, this is finally coming to a conclusion. They ruled, uh, the Supreme Court ruled 7-2 to that the Catholic nuns are exempt from Obama's contraceptive mandate. For over 150 years, the Little Sisters have engaged in faithful service and sacrifice, motivated by a religious calling to surrender all for the sake of their brother, just as Clarence Thomas wrote in his opinion. But for the past seven years, they, like many religious objectors who have participated in the litigation rulemakings leading to today's decision, have had to fight for their ability to continue in their noble work without violating their sincerely held religious beliefs. Thank you, Clarence Thomas. So a big big victory for pro-life, big victory for uh, religious freedom uh, yesterday by the Supreme Court. There's some other decisions as well. Attorney General William Barr on Wednesday announced the launch of Operation Legend, an effort to crack down on spiking crime in the United States. Uh, in cities like you know, uh, Kansas City, where four-year-old legend Telefaro was fatally shot in his bed last month, uh, federal law enforcement agencies will work with state and local law enforcement to help tackle the, uh, crime in the U.S. cities. President Trump has made it clear the federal government stands ready and willing to assist any of our state and local government or law enforcement partners across the nation responding to violent crime, Operation Legend will combine federal and local resources to combat this disturbing uptick in violence by surging federal agents and other federal assets in cities like Kansas City, currently experiencing its worst uh, homicide rate in history, Barr said in a statement. At Barr's direction, agents from the FBI, DEA, ATF, and U.S. Marshal Service will provide assistance to state and local officials in order to combat crime in Kansas City and hopefully other jurisdictions around the United States. This is good news. Nice to see the headlines that the Department of Justice is standing up for uh, safety and security in the United States. 
Okay, yeah, yesterday, of course, you know that President Trump met with Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. That's a lot of names, four, four names, at, at the White House on Wednesday in his Lopez Obrador's first foreign trip as president. And despite complaints from Democrats that the meeting was politically motivated, makes me smile when I say that, uh, Trump and Lopez Obrador held a bilateral meeting in the White House before signing a joint declaration in the Rose Garden where both leaders paid tribute to the U.S.-Mexican relationship. The relationship between the U.S. and Mexico has never been closer than it is right now, Trump said. Trump said the U.S. is a home to 36 million Mexican-Americans that make up a big percentage of small business owners. They like you. They're tough negotiators and great business people, said uh, Trump to Mr. President. It is uh, Lopez Obrador's first visit to the White House with Trump, as well as his first international trip since taking office in December 2018. He arrived Tuesday on a commercial jet. Can you believe that? Instead of taking private airfare or private plane, both leaders touted the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, the USMCA, which took effect last week and replaced the North American Free Trade Agreement, or the NAFTA, an agreement Trump has repeatedly railed against. Uh, Lobrador, meanwhile, hailed the agreement as a great accomplishment benefiting all three nations and our people. On Wednesday, uh, Acting Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf hailed the cooperation between the two countries on immigration. On Wednesday, Acting Homeland... Uh, so uh, this is a big deal, this uh, this new trade agreement, and it kind of ties together uh, America, Canada, Mexico, and the United States. Big deal. I had one other story I wanted to cover. We don't have time, though. We're going to move on to our next guest. Uh, Keith Flaw will be joining us. This segment of the show is brought to you by Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. And again, the website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, Keith Flaw, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4100. 11 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show.
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And they're doing some great summer programs right now. I just encourage you to find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with our state representative, Byron Donalds, candidate also for Congress. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. As I mentioned before the break, he is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Bob. It's great to be with you. Thank you, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a, a, a group, a coalition of uh, well over 100 groups now across Florida. Uh, we've got uh, over 60,000 people that uh, support what we do, and we focus on education reform, uh, public education reform in our K-12 through schools. Um, to us, that means strongly advocating for parental choice, uh, school choice options, uh, and uh, we also focus on getting rid of the indoctrination uh, that's teaching socialism and, uh, frankly, full of pornography that's in our public schools. So we're trying to um, to get that out of the schools. Yeah, and doing a great job. The website is goflca.org, or .com, I should say, goflca.com. So a big, big uh, Commissioner Corcoran, Commission of Education, uh, Commissioner of Education, this week has uh, declared that schools will open in August, which is, uh, and it is, <laughs> it is uh, replete with all kinds of directives to uh, local school boards. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think it's terrific. I think we have to get back. To, I mean, it's the only way we're going to seriously open the economy. Uh, so from that standpoint, I think it's great. The executive order, um, to give your listeners just a little bit of detail, says mm-hmm. that all school boards and charter school governors governing boards must open, and I found this interesting, must, must open bricks and mortar schools. Um, I call them factories, but that's beside the point. Yeah. At least at least five days per week for all students. So uh, it does have a caveat. It says subject to advice and orders from the state and local health departments. Um, but it is a clear mandate uh, from the state that, uh, and, and I'm sure the governor signed off on this before uh, Corcoran put it out, um, and it also requires that they provide a full array of services that they articulate in the executive order to include providing students from low-income families, uh, students uh, whose parents are migrant workers, and students who are homeless or have disabilities, the full array of services that they offer prior to COVID-19. So pretty extensive. Um, getting some backlash from various different groups, uh, which is, I guess, not unexpected, particularly the teachers' unions. Yeah. But, uh, all in all, I think it's absolutely the right direction, and uh, you know I hope the schools pay, take notice. Well, uh, you know, and it's a stake in the ground. It, obviously, there can be concerns. There can be uh, uh, th- we're in a difficult situation right now. But when you put a stake in the ground like now, so it's like this saying, "Hey, schools will open." Everybody's on notice, saying you've got to get ready and get get prepared to, to make this happen. And uh, if for some reason there is a situation, a hot spot, or whatever, they can deal with that. But uh, I just think it's a great decision on the part of the commissioner to uh, to do that. Yeah, I do too. What's going to be fascinating, kind of in parallel with this, and we talked about it on one of your shows a couple of weeks ago. Uh, recent polls say that uh, over forty percent of parents are quote unquote unlikely to send their school their kids back to. Um, you know, to government schools um, in, in person. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so it's going to be interesting to see how those two vectors come together, right? Yeah. Um, and parents, it, parents, they, they should have the right to to be able to make that decision, especially if they're providing whole homeschooling. And I would suspect that, given what happened this this spring, that a lot of parents are saying, you know what. No mas. I'm going to send my kids to. I'm going to do uh, do the uh, education myself, and w- perhaps with a uh, co-op or other parents. Right. In fact, we're promoting those. If uh, if your listeners are interested, uh, go to our. Uh, we've added uh, two organizations that provide, uh, in our view, excellent uh, non-common core um, uh, classical education uh, coursework. Um, one of them is Classical Conversations, which is a faith-based organization. Uh, and they're very active here in Florida, and and it's it's a co-op, as you say. It, you know, most people when they hear homeschool say, "Gee, I'm working. I don't have time to spend five days a week, you know, educating my child." Mm-hmm. But it's a co-op, so it's a it's a, a group of families. It can be up to thirty or forty families who come together, and uh, you know, they use the expertise of some of the parents. So, but the parents are the teachers, 
And if they need an expert teacher for a particular course, like, I don't want to make it up, but like calculus, mm-hmm. you know, they bring in that teacher. But it, but it's run by, and it's it's kind of a, in my view, it's kind of on the, you know, the if you go back a couple hundred years with the little red schoolhouse, you yeah. know, where uh, the parents were teaching their kids. We're so coming full cycle. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the other one we, we support is uh, very strongly is uh, Project Freedom Academy. Uh, they offer an excellent uh, uh, array, uh, array of coursework all the way from kindergarten through uh, K-5, or K-12, I mean. Yeah, so uh, you can get that information on goflca.com is the website. And, and uh, Keith, I, I, before I let you go, I do want to talk about what you've uh, the information you've assembled about candidates running for local government. Yeah, we've uh, we've done, uh, we have a 25-question questionnaire that's unique for uh Congressional District 19, and the Florida House Districts, and the Board of County Commission in Collier County. Um, today, later today, we'll be posting on, uh, it, it's our uh, our 501c4 website, it's called floridaaction.org. Uh, we'll be posting the results of those uh, surveys. Um, nine of the 11 candidates for uh, Congressional District 19 took our survey, so you can you can see their answers and compare them to your views on 25 different issues. Uh, and f- for the most part, um, all of the Republican candidates uh, t- uh, answered our survey uh, for the Florida House districts. We have uh, Florida House District 80, which is Byron Donald's uh, district that he's uh, vacating because he's running for Congress. And then we have four uh, Florida House districts up in Lee County. Uh, all of which are competitive. So uh, we've got the, the candidates' uh, input uh, on 25 issues, and you, you as a voter in those districts can compare your views uh, to the candidates before you make a final decision who you're going to vote for. Yeah, so I think making an informed decision is really a big deal. Also on the website are uh, videos of the forums that you've conducted, both for the House and for Collier County Commissioners. So it's a, it's a wealth of good information to inform voters. I just, is the website still uh, flcaction.org? Yes, uh, for, for legal reasons, uh, since we're involved in um, evaluating candidates, we use the C4 Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida Action, flcaction.org, uh, for posting those materials. Okay, well, I just encourage our listeners to to use that. It's a, and they're great tools to understand because sometimes we just overlook the importance of these local uh, elections, and they are a big deal. They mean so much. As they say, all politics is local. Uh, Keith, just genuinely appreciate the work that you're doing uh, you know, around Florida to support good education. You've had a real impact, you and uh, the, the Florida Citizens Alliance. I thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Terrific. Thanks. Have a great weekend, Bob. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Byron Donalds, uh, our state representative and candidate for U.S. Congress. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you? 
you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state representative and candidate, the candidate that I'm supporting for U.S. Congress, Byron Donalds. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. How you doing? I'm well, Byron. So you had a big event last night at uh, Seed to Table. Uh, how did everything go? It was actually it was fantastic. Um, I, I do want to uh, send a special thank you uh, to Alfie Oaks for allowing us to use his facility uh, for this event. Um, you know, I know Alfie. You know, he's kind of been in this. Uh, you know, in this uh, public media scrutiny yep. uh, the last couple of weeks for, frankly, just speaking his mind and, uh, you, know, you know, saying the things that he felt that were going on in the country. And as a result, um, Lee County Public Schools canceled his contract. And so, you know, he's he's been a friend for a long time. He's really been a, a quality person, quality individual, um, really supporting so many people in our community um, without any thanks or any, any fanfare. So, you know, I just want to thank him. Uh, for letting us use this facility last night. The event was great. I mean, we had, I think, somewhere over 100, 150 people there. Fabulous. Um, some people I haven't seen it in, in a long time. Uh, people who have been supporters for a long time that came back um, and, and, and excited about the campaign. You know, we just talked about really what's, what's more important, what's most important is the future of the country. And, um, you know, and why it's really important that we make sure we send a true conservative to Washington. And, you know, I think I, we left out of there with a lot more volunteers who are going to be knocking on doors and making phone calls and doing all the stuff you need to win. Uh, that's just great, Byron. So, you know, uh, again, I just uh, underscore the fact that I support you. I've known you for years, uh, many years, and uh, have supported you in your, in your run for the state house uh, and and also for the, for this campaign. For our listeners that may not be familiar with you, and I, I'm fortunate, I'm so glad to see your ads and the the mailings that have been coming through. Uh, maybe you could just tell us about what what you want to accomplish in Congress. Well, you know, I, listen, I started in the Tea Party movement, and you know, so my background in politics is very, very different than my opponents. Um, you know, I came up in the Tea Party movement 10 years ago. Before that, I didn't care about politics. Mm-hmm. I really was just a normal person living life, um, just raising my family, going to work. But the financial collapse in 08 is what got me involved, and, you know, I just was very concerned about the fiscal health of the country going forward. And, quickly realized that it wasn't just about the dollars, it was about the the ideology of the left and how destructive that is to a society like ours. And so, you know, that's what got me off the couch, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since then, I got, you know, stayed in the Tea Party movement, tried to help get uh, Republicans and conservatives elected, uh, ran for Congress in 2012, wasn't successful. But, you know, I think what it did is really put me on the map in southwest Florida, uh, I got elected to the Florida House in 2016, where I've been one of the most conservative members of the, in, in the Capitol, um, somebody that is relied on, frankly, by other members when it's time to go into debate against the left and to have to battle the left, not just on policy, but on principle. Yeah. And uh, now I'm running for Congress again, and I think it's a, it's a critical time because um, more people in our country are registering as independents 
they're not registering as Republicans or Democrats. Most people I see are kind of sick of both parties. Mm-hmm. And I think we have a golden opportunity where if we have uh, true conservatives who understand our issues and actually explain our issues, they, those people may not register Republican, but we can count on them to vote conservatively for years to come, and that's going to be necessary for the future of this country. Absolutely, Byron. But while you're speaking, I was thinking I'd seen a rating of our, all the uh, people who have served in the state house in our legislature. I think it was from the uh, James Madison Institute. Uh, Byron Donalds, A plus. It was great to see. And then the endorsement of the Club for Growth. Now this is a big deal. The Club for Growth. Uh, is an organization that only focuses on fiscal matters and supports candidates that they think will make the best decisions at, uh, going forward and cast their vote in a way that supports fiscal responsibility. Byron, it's a very competitive thing. They don't support all candidates or uh, a candidate in, in all races. They, they're very selective. And they supported you. I think this is great. It has been. You know, I think the club for growth, what they're looking for are members who aren't really going to get swayed uh, by high-priced lobbyists and special interests when they get to D.C. They've seen it happen time and time again. So it's not just about saying the right things. They actually want to see a, a record that exists. They actually want to know from contacting and interviewing other people around you, which is part of their vetting process, uh, that you're the real deal. You know, I think for, for this campaign, their biggest thing was they, they knew that from um, our first conversation and our first real time of, of 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 real debate. It was about an hour interview process. And mm-hmm. every candidate in this field that's running for Congress, every candidate tried to get their support. Let, let me be clear on that. Absolutely. Um, but uh, what I think what happened was they knew my record, they looked at my record, and then the other thing was they realized I had a pathway to victory. And so, you know, the biggest news on the campaign trail, Bob, is two days ago a, a poll came out and showed that I was uh, four points behind the leader. Uh, which is which is a massive amount of movement in a short amount of time in my campaign. You know, we have a couple of self-funding millionaires who are just trying to buy the election. And so they were out in front, but we passed one very, very quickly. And, you know, frankly, we're about to pass the other one pretty soon. So, yeah. you know, we have all the momentum in this race, and we're poised to win. you got to spike at the right time, and that, of course, is going to be in August. The election's coming out, what, is the 18th of August? August 18th, absentee ballots go out uh, this weekend. Yeah. So people will start getting their absentee ballots as early as Friday um, in the selection. And so, um, you know, you know, people are going to start getting their ballots. We hope that they start returning them and voting for, and voting for me. And, uh, we're just going to do everything we can to win. Absolutely. Byron, again, how can we support your efforts? It's kind of a, a obvious answer to this question, but uh, we'd like to hear it from you directly. Well, I mean, listen, right now, contributions are, are helpful in, in everything. You know, we... Um, we're running a very efficient campaign because, you know, resources are, are just not as plentiful as they are in other campaigns. And, you know, I don't want to speak ill of those guys, but, you know, they've done well in their lives and they wrote millions of dollars to their campaigns to run for office. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not done that. I'm a financial professional, but I'm not, a, I'm not rich by any means. I've been working my way up and doing the, the hard work necessary to be successful. But I'm also very passionate about politics, so I need your help. Uh, please go to byrondonalds.com, make a contribution, volunteer, knock a door, make a phone call. Uh, because we, what the biggest thing we need, Bob, is we need real conservatives, true conservatives representing us in Washington. And we don't have time to waste trying to figure out what somebody's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the voters in Southwest Florida know me. They know what I'm going to do when I need their vote. Byron Donalds, again, byrondonalds.com is the website. I hope you visit the website, find out more, and also uh, make a contribution. Again, money is the mother milk of politics. Byron, I genuinely support you, and I just genuinely appreciate you taking time to visit with us here on the de- on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Byron. All right, coming up. We're going to visit with Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners 
offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's, I would like to mention uh, Lulabee's Diner right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. They've got a lot of construction going on. A great place to have breakfast or lunch, and I hope you'll make the effort. I think of them because they support uh, St. Matthew's House in a big way. So, again, Lulabee's Diner in uh, the Green Tree Shopping Center. Pay them a visit. Uh, coming up, we're going to visit with Naples ex-mayor uh, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Uh, tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and share of influence of government, and uh, <laughs> I'm moving to Puerto Rico. <laughs> well, so, hey, listen, you, you really wrote a terrific column, very informative. Versus China, some technologies are commercial interests and national security imperatives, pointing out a very, very difficult and important and complicated issue. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, when I was, you know, in high school and younger than that, I, I, I've always been a conservative. And real quick, my favorite, when I was six, in first grade, it snowed, and I went racing to the radio in D.C. area to see if Fairfax County schools were closed. I hated school. And I'm listening, and I, I'm waiting to hear you know, the school announcements, and I hear non-essential government personnel need not come in today. I went to my mom, and I said, does your... Graphic design firm have non-essential persons? No. <laughs> I said the government does. They don't have to go into work today. I remember thinking at age six, what's worse, that announcement or being a person who hears it and goes, oh, oh, good, I don't have to go to work today. Yeah. Who wants to be that person? You're not nobody. So, <laughs> I've always been conservative. And, of course, when you're young and really strident, you say, let's jump in always and everywhere, no matter what. you know. And then you start to realize especially since the government is so big, you need, you know, sometimes you, you need a little more government here to get a whole lot less government there. Right. And the, the example I always use is the, is the border. If we just apply a little more government at the border, we'll save a whole lot less government in, in the interior of our country by preventing those people from coming in and getting welfare and, take, and committing crimes and all that. There are instances now in a four-plus trillion dollar a year government where a little government here saves us a lot of government elsewhere. And, of course, we have the old-school conservative mandate, which is the one of the few things the federal government is supposed to do is protect the country. Mm-hmm. So with all of that in mind, you know, I view spending some government money on certain technological sectors of the economy, which we've heretofore mostly treated as an economic thing uh, without any national security attention being paid to it, or very little, not enough. Um, I think we need to shift that way of thinking on those issues. 5G, wireless is one of them. Um, 
and the wireless standards for the globe are set by the country that gets to the next level first. And right now, there's a two-country race between us and China. I would like to think that it's a national security uh, imperative that we get there before China does. And that means a whole lot of things that are going on now mm-hmm. are stupid and need to be changed, and in many instances require some government backstop action to get them done. Now, I'm talking, I said the piece, I want a private-public partnership, not a public-private partnership. I want the private sector driving the train, and then when, when, when they encounter areas where there's a gaping hole, mostly from decades of neglect, um, they, the government can, can fill that, you know, help fill the hole and, and keep us ahead of China and other foreign adversaries. Uh, for example, there's a, there's a, in the chain of, of, of uh, wireless technology, there's four or five different components. One of the levels is controlled almost entirely by a Chinese company called Huawei. Mm-hmm. Their hardware is everywhere in the United States um, because what China did was they were smart. We were beating them on the technology as far as developing 5G. So they looked at that sector and they said, okay, this is a key component in the chain, in the, in the, in the uh, network. We'll flood the world with cheap hardware to fill that void. And we just pretended, oh, good, it's cheap hardware. This is fantastic. And then over the years, everyone else stopped making it because you couldn't compete with China's subsidies. And now all of a sudden, Huawei has a virtual monopoly mm-hmm. in this on this link of the chain. So obviously, that you know, I'm all for the billion dollars Congress uh, allocated to pay ISPs around the internet service providers around the country to rip out the Huawei stuff, NZTE, it's another Chinese company, but they're not nearly as big a problem as Huawei is. But then the problem is, we still don't have anything with which to replace it. So there's an open RAN coalition, stands uh, for something very technical and dumb, but basically it's 30 companies that normally are adversaries. In, in some You've got big tech and patent uh, developers and software and uh, semiconductors, uh, producers all getting together and saying we can develop a software alternative to Huawei's hardware, but it's going to take some time and we don't have it. Hmm. So to to shorten the calendar, we need some government money. Do I have a problem with that government money? Hell no, I don't have a problem. Right, right. And also, a lot of the semiconductors that are fabricated for 5G are fabricated in China. Yeah, I mean, so there's a bill now before Congress to spend some money to start shifting semiconductor production fabrication here to the United States. Do I have a problem with that money? No, I don't. And there's a bunch of other examples too. A rare so, earth, yeah. rare earth uh, mining, and uh, rare yeah. earth minerals is used in all our in all kinds of things from the stupid soul, you know, the, the green energy nonsense, yeah, to all our cell phones, to all that. China's developed a, a, a virtual monopoly on that, and it, and it rattled the cage and said, "You know, we, we would we would hold up rare earth shipments to the United States." Do I have a problem with the U.S. government stepping in and spending some money to ramp up our access to rare earths from somewhere besides China? Just to show you how stupid we are, we stupidly go into Afghanistan. We spend you know trillions and trillions of dollars. We found a trillion dollars worth of rare earths in Afghanistan. Hmm. But because we didn't want to look like colonizers, we didn't touch it. Guess who runs it now? Russia? China. Oh, China? No. So, China does. Yeah. So, you know, do I, have gov- do I have a problem with government stepping in and helping us find somewhere besides China to get our rare earth? No, I do not. Yeah. So all these things. And, you know, it's not just 5G. It's all kinds of te- you know. These things apply to all aspects of the information economy. These are key components of all of it. And we're too dependent on China right now. And because we've been too dependent for too long, I, th- you know, I think government action backing up what the private sector is doing, because our private sector is still better, but because of inaction and stupidity, we've hamstrung ourselves in yeah. key areas. I think we need to clean up the mess. You know, and, you know, I didn't... 
I didn't have much of a problem with the government coming in with COVID relief because the economy didn't shut down. The government shut down the economy. Right. So if the government's going to do that, they should compensate the companies they're screwing. Well, the, the point and likewise, you... the government has screwed us on this for a long time, and I don't mind them paying. I know it's our money, yeah. but you know, maybe if they have to allocate money from somewhere else to clean up their messes, maybe they'll make fewer messes. Well, and, and the other part of this, of course, the link you started with is national security. These are national security issues, so you do need the government's involvement in uh, solving the problem, but as you're pointing out, it should be led by private by the private sector and private sector companies, not by the government. That's, that, no, that's exactly right, and look, I want, I want our, our conservatives to look at this, you know, a billion dollars to get rid of Huawei, which never should have been here in the first place, but now we're cleaning up the mess. Um, I want them to view that allocation of funds like, you know, an Abrams tank mm-hmm. purchase. Yeah. You know, these are national defense things that we're talking about here. They just don't look like the national defense things we've always defended and, and wanted more of. Yeah. These are the modern day national defense uh, uh, priorities that need to be. Uh, Heightened in the in the, in the United States. So I found this. Uh, I found your column on red stating, and, uh, and refer our listeners just do a search on Seton Motley or less government. You'll find his column versus China. Some technologies are commercial interests and national security imperatives. Very interesting and informative. Uh, Seton again. The, the name of the organization is lessgovernment.org. You can uh, visit the website and also on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. Uh, kind of in and out on the sound there. I apologize for that, but I think Seton may not have been close to a window or something. He's on his cell phone. Anyhow, uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett. He's the former mayor of Naples. Always appreciate his insights. Uh, we're going to do that and more uh, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now just by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us the Naples Bill Barnett. Mayor Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. 
Well, Bob, always a pleasure. You know that. Um, we've been saying that for Thursdays for how many years now? And you know, it's well over a decade. A long time. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time, isn't it? <laughs> so it is wow. indeed. So, so uh, Bill, the uh, Cuyahoga County Commissioners, the kind of an emergency meeting, they're going to reconsider uh, requiring masks here, and this is at the uh, at the request of uh, one of the commissioners who serves on the tourism board. I forgot what the official name of it is, but they're basically saying we we think this will help tourism. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I you know, there's a couple of different points there. Um, I, you know, and again, this is personal because you, you know, everybody has different opinions, different yeah. ideas. You can't, you can't fault anybody for, for their thoughts. Well, you can, I suppose, in certain, certain aspects. But for me, look, I wear my mask when I go in a store. Okay. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, I just do. And, um, I, I, it's my philosophy that, you know, if you're inside close quarters where, uh, there are a lot of people and, and whatever, um, it doesn't take me any effort per se to put the mask on. And, and then the other side of the coin is, well, they don't do anything. Well, you know what? <laughs> There's probably a lot of things out there that you and I do that might not do anything or have any benefit other, other than to us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we believe it, it, because we believe it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I absolutely against, um, uh, uh, mandating it, you know, to be worn outside, mm-hmm. anywhere outside, is I think is absurd. Yeah. Uh, that that just won't fly with me. So I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know? guess the question, a question say, I have, Bill, is is I can't. What I can't imagine is uh, somebody saying, you know, what uh, they just passed a, a a law or an ordinance in Collier County saying uh, everybody has to wear a mask. That sounds like a great place to go. Indoors, <laughs> but indoors. Oh, is that what they is that what they're proposing? Proposing is indoors. Well, yeah, I think yes, yeah. Okay. They, they yeah, it, it would be definitely be in any any um, any businesses or stores or whatever. Mm-hmm. They would want people to wear their masks, but uh, um, and and I don't think that does anything for tourism. That was the other half of that coin. Yeah. You know, I don't know how they could possibly think that. So, oh yeah, let's let's <laughs> honey, let's go look on the map and decide and. Pick a place here where we where we have to wear masks, and that's where we're going for our vacation. Yeah, you know, I, I like you. <laughs> and Linda and I have this is a big year for us, celebrating our forty fifth wedding anniversary. It's a big wow. birth, big birthday for Linda. So we we planned a Europe a trip to Europe to to and a and a cruise, a fourteen day cruise. Right. Oh, really wonderful. But you know why we're not going? It's because. Well, of course, we we just at the time just didn't understand what's going to happen with this thing. But also, you have to wear a mask on the plane. Who wants to fly first class and wear a, a mask? So, well, you know that's that's going to be an, and they showed the airlines how how careful they are and with the with their uh, spraying and everything else. But yeah, I suppose you have a point there, Bob. It's going to just depends on how bad you you know what you can what you can endure or not. But the yeah. bottom line is is that. I mean, this thing is just t- so totally out of control, and you pretty much think these days, look, w- let's just do whatever it takes for, it's not going to be forever, but if this is going to, if all the experts are saying this is going to uh, uh, slow the curve or uh, um, get it stopped, then why not try it? I look at it for myself as, as uh, it's, doesn't, it's not much effort for me mm-hmm. to go into Publix, okay, mm-hmm. and put the mask on, mm-hmm. right? And you know, you're right. You see a lot of people that don't have them on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just going to, I think it's just going to, it's just going to keep festering and they'll, some will pass it, some won't pass it. People will not be happy and won't do it. And some will, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. I certainly uh, do. But it's, it's a, it's a, it, I guess the point being right now is the death rate is is dropping precipitously. So yeah. I think it's a lot. I don't the, know. Yeah, go ahead. You know, the average the average age of people that are, I should say, the mean uh, median age is dropping precipitously. So we're seeing a lot of younger people contract the virus without any symptoms. So it yeah, may yeah, it may be yet yeah, to your point of slowing the the spread is uh, you know maybe the spread's going to happen right. anyhow. So if if uh, we're not filling up the hospitals. And people aren't dying and dropping like flies. Maybe we should just let the thing go ahead and spread <laughs> and get it over with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's all kinds. You know, there's just so many different philosophies and everything. And they, uh, of course, I have to get my city dig in. You know, this morning the um, 
they sent a uh, the Naples Daily News did a questionnaire, mm-hmm. and they I think they asked forty three people. They asked you know um, the people they were asking were all elected officials and officials from different boards and whatever it is um, about their feelings on masks and some other questions. Okay, mm-hmm. so our mayor was nowhere to be found. Of course, she never even responded. Hmm. So it's like you know, geez, whatever your opinion is, you got to let people know what it is. Right. Yeah, I mean she's so, been she's been conspicuously absent in the in this dialogue. Oh yeah, for for uh, yep. about a month now or so. Yeah, well, she's only been in office three months, and I think she's on vacation now. But she didn't tell anybody. I don't know. I can't. I can't. You know, I don't trail her around, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I, somebody had said to me the other day that that she had said, "Well, I've been in office three months. So I think I need a vacation." And <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> What can I say? I can honestly tell you, no sour grapes that I think if it were me and with this situation and everything going on with protests and what have you, you, you can bet your bottom dollar I would not be going to New York. Well, number one. And number two, as I recall, we were having this terrible hurricane in the, uh, the aftermath of the hurricane, and you were out there with the Weather Channel and all these folks uh, weighing in all the time. I mean, you became a national celebrity. Well, I don't know about celebrity, but yeah, I mean, I think that the the thing is, is that you want your constituents to be able to see your face mm-hmm. and hear your voice and do the code reds and whatever to just to know that somebody's looking out for them. Whether you know how much help you can give someone that's stuck somewhere, who knows? But uh, um, you got to be there for them. Absolutely. But hey, listen, life goes on, right? Life goes on. What do you think I about? Did... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was no. Just ask you about the the. Um... Uh, commissioner of Education in Florida saying schools will open in August, and uh, you yep. will be have five days a week uh, available for all students. Uh, that was yep. a real stake in the ground. What'd you think? I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, me too. Believe it or not. Yeah, I, I am. And you know what I heard this morning um, on your buddy's show? I know you guys don't speak much because you don't run into each other, but Dave just said a couple of minutes ago that that the uh, the new movie theater, you know, the one at Coastland, uh-huh. they said they're not building it. I mean, I guess they're going to finish it because it started, but I guess they're not going to open it. That was uh, wow. I, I was really surprised. I, I um, so you'll have to check into that, but that would be a shame. They said because across the country, they I guess they have a lot of other other cinemas like that. So I don't know whether they're closing some or what they're doing, but that was uh, I guess he heard it on the news somewhere anyway. So. Wow, that's big news. That would news. be kind of sad, you know, Bob? That would be sad. Well, that's kind of the underbelly of this whole experience right now. We're kind of whistling by the gra- past the graveyard right now, hoping the economy will continue. But, you know, w- when things like that happen in the community, that's a big deal to downtown Naples to, in the Coastal and Mall to, to have that it business is. not open. And, and they were t- talking about uh, uh, other big chains that are, that are. I mean, you see last night that Brooks Brothers uh, is uh, going to Chapter 11. Yeah, also uh, 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 the, uh, who is the coffee folks? That Bath and Beyond. You know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, who, who, who serves the coffee. I can't even think of it. Anyhow, they're, they're closing a lot of these coffee places. They're up in Massachusetts, and they have stores down here, and I can't think of it. Doggone it. Well, uh, and, yeah. Not Starbucks, but go ahead. Yeah, no, it's not Starbucks, but Dunkin' Donuts is what I'm trying to think of. So they're going to close. Really? They're going to close some of those stores around the United States. And God, I, United I, Airlines is laying off what is it, thirty five, thirty six thousand employees. So yeah, October, right? Um, because that's when the stimulus money runs out. Yeah, so it's so, a. It's hurting. It's hurting the economy. You just gotta. We gotta get back. That's the other part of this. Opening the schools, part of the, opening the economy. Look, right. we're, you know, people are going to get sick, but it's not worse than the flu. It's actually, uh, in many ways, more. It's it's more contagious, but in many right. ways, it's not as deadly. Not as not going to hurt us. Well, bad. that's true, and we don't want it, regardless. No, that's right. <laughs> so. Anyway, how's the golf game? Well, it's seen better days. I'm finding out that the last few holes, I usually don't have the energy that I had when I started the round. So uh, it's hot out there, believe me. Oh, yeah, you boy, believe me, Bob. You know, I walk five miles a day in the in the heat, and um, and you're right. Get to the I get to the last mile, and it's like, oh my gosh, what what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> Bill, Bill, you know what? I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show and taking time to share your commentary with us. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, and you have a great week, Bob. Take care. You as well. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. 
All right, well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, tell your friends. If you if there's something you'd like to nitpick or let me know, send me an email, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also have a mailing that I do after each show about the content of the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com if you'd like to get on the distribution list. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bill Yateman, William Yateman, I should say. William is a uh, senior fellow, uh, a research fellow at the Cato Institute, Always talking about current events. We'll visit with Ellen Prager. She is a, a marine scientist, uh, earth scientist. She's written a book called Dangerous Earth. We'll get to talk to uh, Ellen. We'll also visit with Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>